you. And Josh, it was the it was the Italian and, and Australian that wanted to sing it country, so I liked it. I liked it. Oh, it was okay. Well, Italians have always appreciated the finer things, of course, right? The finer things. Well, last time we were together. Hey, first let me tell you, it's a joy to be back. We love you guys. We love being in this place. Um, you fill our hearts with joy. Um, we love being back in the States. We love visiting the churches we got to visit. One really big, one pretty small. Um, I got to preach one time in a country church. and It, it was, uh, but this is like Karen said, it's just like, it's like coming home to you guys. And, and uh, so it's a, it's a great joy to be back. Last time we were together, I preached uh, the only Christmas sermon I have. Uh, I trust that some of you may remember some of the points. Anybody have a, a random point that you remember from the, the sermon I preached four weeks ago about Christmas? Anybody? I know it'd be hard to remember. You've had a lot of celebrating, a lot of holiday cheer since then and now, but anybody have... The ba- a, a, pardon me? A baby's in a manger. We sang that great song, right? <laughs> There's a baby in a manger, but that baby is... Please, come in. Please. Um, there's something unique about this baby. What is it? It's God. God is in a manger. It's the most amazing thing that has ever fallen upon the ears of mankind. I am is in a manger. And anybody remember the implication we drew out from that? That I am is in a manger. Do you remember the the characters in the Christmas story? Everyone who believed God was in the manger, their life changed. Their life radically changed. Everyone who believed was on their way to Bethlehem. Everyone who believed. Their life radically changed. And we drew out that implication. You know, we talked about the fact that if you do a, a search on Christians, you'll come up that they're... Uh, the standard number out there right now is 2.2 billion Christians in the world. But we understand those are, by and large, culturally, th- th- those are cultural Christians. We know that many of them do not really believe that God is in a manger, and we can see it in their lives that they don't really believe it. Because if they really believed it, their life would change. Amen? If you really believe God's in a manger, and God's in a manger because He loves you, and God's in a manger to redeem you, God's in a manger to go to the cross to save you, everything changes, amen? Everything changes. That was one of the main points. It's the only Christmas sermon I have. Because to me, it's the most important aspect to Christmas. Jesus has come. I am has come. And everything changes. If we've really believed it. Everything has changed. And we talked about the two incarnations of Christmas. Anybody remember? What, what are the t- Obviously, the first incarnation is Jesus Himself. God has taken on flesh. Does anybody remember the second incarnation we talked about? What is the second incarnation of Christmas? It's you and it's me as we do the Word. Amen? The Word was incarnate in time, in space, in a nowhere place called Bethlehem. The Word was incarnate, but God has called us to incarnate the Word. There are two incarnations in the Christmas story, if we've truly understood the Christmas story. If we're not incarnating the Word, 
we have not understood the Christmas story. Right? We've not really believed the Christmas story if we're not incarnating the Word of God. If it's not spilling out of our lives and off our tongue, we've not really believed. Not in a way that the Bible speaks about. You know, true belief in the Bible is always, it's about, it's, it's believing in such a way that your life changes. It's not just, I, 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 I give mental assent to doctrine. That's never what biblical Christianity is about. It's always about, I believe this, I believe this wholeheartedly and I give myself to it. This is what biblical Christianity always looks like. Understanding the Christmas story, it looks like you in the world being a disciple. That's what it's about. You in the world being a disciple. For that is what Jesus has called us to be. We're not called to simply be church members. It's good to be a church member. You hear me say this often. But your principal reason for being on this planet is to obviously come and worship the Lord in this place with God's people, but to walk out that door and be a disciple. And to give a witness. To give a witness for who Jesus is. Salvation is discipleship, and discipleship is salvation. I say it to you all the time. There is no dichotomy. There is no dichotomy. So I want to just encourage you tonight as we begin this new year, every Christian sitting in this room can incarnate the Word of God in 2015. You can. Why? Because you're such a great Christian. Well, probably none of us in here are such a great Christian. It's not about how great you are. Tell me what it's about. It's about how great our God is. Amen? So even when we fail and we fall and we sin and we will in 2015, we get back up, we confess our sin, and we follow Jesus. That's what disciples do. That's what we do. So I want us to simply look at God tonight. And I want us to be encouraged. We can be disciples because He's an awesome God. Amen? He's an awesome God. He hasn't called us to something we can't do. Well, let me restate that. We can't do it in our own strength, but we can do all things in Christ. Amen? We can. Because He is a great and awesome God. I don't know what you see as you look out into 2015. I don't know what you're facing as you look out into 2015, trouble, trials, sickness, discouragement, difficulties, persecution, uncertainty, but whatever it is, your God is God in that situation. Our God is God. The principal issue of being a true disciple of Jesus is to learn God correctly. And if you learn God correctly, which is to say biblically, you have license to live your faith as huge as you dare. You know, we don't live inside this little religious box that the world has painted for Christians. That box is too small. I can't live in that box. God has called us out of the box. We are not religious. I always make much of that. We had a sermon series on, on uh, why we're not religious. We're not religious. We're lovers of Christ. 
we are His disciples. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For who, he, for who comes to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. This is a tsunami verse. It's one of the tsunami verses in the Bible. You know, I know that probably all of you in here believe that God is. Right? You call yourself a Christian. Well, there may be a visitor in here who's not quite sure. But even if you're not quite sure, you probably would uh, acknowledge that God is. But the key to Christianity is, you not only believe He is, you believe He's good. And because you believe He's good, you go out that door and you're a disciple. Amen? <coughs> Hebrews 11.6 We believe that He is. We believe He's a rewarding God. If you don't believe the second thing, you'll never be a disciple. You can believe the first thing and never really do much more with your Christianity other than sit in this church or whatever church you go to next. But if you actually believe He's good, if you actually believe He's a rewarder, you'll go out there and you'll live it huge. Even, even if it's costly, even if it's risky, You'll live it huge because you know He is a rewarding God. As I said, James 1.22, we are called to be doers. So I'm going to challenge you right here at the beginning of 2015. Will you give yourself to being a doer of the Word of God this year in a way that you haven't before? Is there an area of your life where You've not been doing the Word of God. Will you, will you do the Word of God in that area? Will you give your life to God in this area? Will you give yourself to obedience in a new way, a fresh way? Will you do that in 2015? Will you trust God? You say, Jim, it looks risky to obey God in the place He's called me to, to, to obey. It looks risky there. Do you believe He's a rewarder? <laughs> do you believe He'll meet you in that risky place? This is what I want to talk about tonight. If we believe He is a good and rewarding God, we will obey Him. With glad, reckless joys, I love to say so frequently. Some of you know that I'm quite enamored with Psalm 99, that first verse. And I'm just going to start there. I want to look at God. That's what I want to do tonight. I just want to look at God through the lens of Hebrews 11.6 He is and He's good. Okay? That's the lens. Psalm 99.1 The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise Your great and awesome name. Our God is God and nobody else is. Our God is God. You're supposed to live like you believe that. We're not, again, I keep going back to it, we're not merely a religious people who meet on Sunday. We are a people so hopelessly in love with Christ that we incarnate His Word in the world. That's discipleship, beloved. That's 
that's one of the definitions of discipleship. If we know Him as He is the God of Psalm 99.1, we would never insult Him with lukewarm Christianity. We would just never offer up that insult to Him. Right? The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Amen? That's our God. That's our God. It's an oxymoron to say we love Jesus, that we belong to Jesus, that we're disciples of Jesus, and then live like the world. How do, you know, Francis Chan, I like the way he says it. I, I quote him all the time. He says, there's something wrong if you claim to be a Christian and you live like everybody else. Something is wrong. I would say everything's wrong if you claim to be a Christian but you live like the world. Everything is wrong. It is an oxymoron. You know that your life is to be a commentary on Christ. You know this, right? You call yourself a Christian. Your life is a commentary. Your friends are, your friends are reading it. Your family members are reading it. Your neighbors are reading it. Your colleagues are reading it. Your fellow students at the university, they're reading it. They're reading the commentary of your life. You claim to be a Christian. And it's a reflection on the Lord Jesus Christ. If we believe that our God is the God of Psalm 99 and He is, we'll be incarnating Daniel 11.32, another one of my favorite verses. I can't help it. It's the beginning of the year. Listen, I'm preaching this sermon because I need it, okay? I tell you all the time that I'm preaching to myself 99% of the time I'm preaching to myself and I'm exhorting myself tonight as I exhort you, believe your God and obey Him huge in 2015. Don't be afraid. But you guys know Daniel 11.32. I refer to it frequently. The people that know their God, they shall be what? Anybody remember? They shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? The people who know their God, they're strong people. They do exploits of faith. They go out in the world. They incarnate the Word. It's part of what the Christmas story is all about. We incarnate the Word in the church, in our singleness, in our marriages, in our careers, in our schools, in our trials, with our money, with our talents and abilities, with our bodies, with our pains and infirmities, even with our deaths, we are making much of Christ. And when we make much of Jesus, He will never forget. Don't you love it? I was thinking about it as I was preparing the sermon. <laughs> you remember Mary, right? Who broke the vial of costly perfume and poured it all out on Jesus. You remember that. And the disciples were all over her, right? What a waste! And what did Jesus say? It's never a waste when one of my people loved me like this. Right? <laughs> I love Jesus says, wherever the Gospel is preached, she will be remembered. And what I want to say to you, every time you're out in the world and you obey, you obey God full Throttle, is that, is that, does, that, does that translate? Full throttle, all the way. All in, you're all in with God. You're obeying God out in the world. Jesus remembers it. He never forgets it. He never forgets it. I love that aspect about obedience. 
He is the awesome, fearsome, consuming fire God of the Bible. And He is unapologetically clear, I am God and nobody else is. He's God enough for us to give our lives away to. So I want to begin the new year looking at King Jesus. This is my oft-repeated litany from the book of Isaiah. Just bear with me. Some of you have heard this many times, but I never grow weary of saying it to you. I hope you don't grow weary of hearing it. King Jesus says, I am the Lord. I am the first. And I am with the last. I am He, even from eternity I am He. To whom then will you liken me that I should be His equal? I am God and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. Before me there was no God formed and there'll be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord. There is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act and who can reverse it. The nations are nothing before me. I sit above the vault of the earth. I am the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth. There is no other God besides Me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except Me. I am God and there is no one like Me, saying My purpose will be established and I will accomplish all My good pleasure. Amen? Man, I'm preaching to myself, right? I want to look at this God at the beginning of 2015 so I'll never shrink back in my obedience in 2015. If I'm looking at this God, I won't shrink back. Now, if I'm looking at myself and my own, my own talents, my own abilities, my own resources, I'll shrink back every time. If I'm looking in the mirror, I'll never follow Christ. But if I'm looking at Christ, this Christ, <laughs> I don't have to be afraid, beloved. We don't have to be afraid. I'm exhorting myself. I pray that you are being exhorted as well. Let me just read you a few passages. Um, just some random passages from Scripture. As we look at God. Just look at God as we begin this new year. So we won't be afraid. We won't be discouraged. We won't be defeated. We won't be depressed. Daniel saw... King Jesus, and he writes, His throne was ablaze with flames and a river of fire was flowing out before the Lord and thousands upon thousands were attending Him and myriads upon myriads were standing before Him. Isaiah saw the Lord and he writes, The Lord was high and lifted up on His throne and a train of His robe filled the temple and the seraphim called out to one another saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. John saw Him. And he writes, his eyes were like a flame of fire. His voice was like the sound of many waters. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. The psalmist writes, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries round about. His lightnings light up the world. The earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Our God is God and as the song says, He's indescribable. He's incomparable. He's untamable. Amen? The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. This is your Father. This is your God. This is your Savior. 
How can we live our Christianity small if we believe this about Him? How can we, beloved? He's the sovereign Lord. We can... He's sovereign over every detail. What does is, what is the Gospel tell us? Not one sparrow falls to the ground apart from the will of God. Listen, I don't know how hard your circumstance is or how hard the, the situation is or what you're facing in 2015, but what I do know is God is sovereign in it. And He can be trusted in it. I'm not saying it might not be hard. Certainly it might be. All we have to do is read our Bibles. True believers often end up in hard places. But they trust God there. Amen? That's what they do. They trust God. They trust God in the hard place. But just to look at God and His sovereignty so we'll have peace and the providence of God in the coming year. Just a couple of verses. Daniel 4.35 God does according to His will in heaven and earth. No one can stay His hand. Psalm 135.6 Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth. 1 Timothy 6.15 and 16 He is the only sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords who alone possesses immortality and eternal dominion. 1 Chronicles 29.11 Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Yours is dominion, O Lord, and You exalt Yourself as head over all. Isaiah is right. Who can turn back the outstretched arm of Jehovah God? Is this the God you worship? Or... Have you been deceived? Are you worshiping some caricature of Jesus Christ? There are many caricatures of Jesus Christ that are perpetuated by pseudo-churches. We talked a lot about pseudo-churches last year. So you should understand what I'm saying for those of you who've been here. Are you following some caricature? Or are you in love with this God, the biblical God? <laughs> it's awesome fearsome, consuming fire. God, He is the sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords. And guess what? Our reward is a done deal because He's a sovereign God. And if it gets hard in 2015, some of us it will be hard in 2015. Some things will happen that we don't expect. It's just part of living on this fallen planet. It will happen. But what have we talked about many, many times? God is in the trial. God is in the trial. God is changing you in the trial. He's not abandoned, abandoned you in the trial. He's come to you in the trial. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. It's necessary, Peter says in 1 Peter. These various trials are necessary for you that your faith may be firmly established. So when it gets hard in 2015, if you have one of those years, and some of us may, your God is sovereign in it, beloved. He means for you to believe it. And He means for you to live it. Psalm 99 and some of these verses I've been reading, it just I love to use this word about God. It's not a biblical word. You don't hear many people ever say this. I, it could be original with me. I don't know. I may have read it somewhere. But I know I'm enamored with it. Beloved, our God's a competent God. <laughs> I mean, He's a competent God. 
He actually can do what He says. He can do. <laughs> he can do everything He says. And He will do everything He says. He's a competent God. He cannot be frustrated. Now, I know there are some pseudo-strands of Christianity out there that talk, talk as if God can be frustrated. Well, obviously they're not talking about Jehovah God. They're not talking about King Jesus. He cannot be frustrated. His will cannot be frustrated. Okay, we've talked about His greatness and His sovereignty. I want to also remind you, Jeremiah 31.3, just how much He loves you. <laughs> okay? This awesome God, believe it or not, loves you. And He loves me. Now, I know my sin. You know your sin. And I ask myself, how can He love me? All I know is that He does. <laughs> All I know that it pleases God to love me. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love, He says. Therefore, I have drawn you to Myself in loving kindness. It's an invincible love, beloved. We, we know what Romans 8 says. You are loved with an invincible love and you can never be separated from it. Amen? Come on. Whatever comes in 2015, that'll get me through. Amen? If nothing else, that'll get me through. Nothing can separate me from this awesome God who holds me from eternity past into eternity future. He's, he holds me. I love that thought. Anybody remember my favorite African-American spiritual? My favorite line from the African-American spiritual I bring up from time to time. Does anybody remember? Ain't nobody, that's right, Tinelo, there ain't nobody who do me like Jesus. Amen? Now, I know that may, you know, I can say that in the States, everybody understands. You know, in an international congregation, I probably need to, to uh, translate the meaning there. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. What does it mean? Nobody's ever loved you like Christ. Nobody's ever loved you like Christ. Nobody's, nobody ever will love you. This awesome God who's in a manger and going to the cross because He loves me. Ain't nobody ever loved me like that. Amen? It's important for us to look at God at 2015 and then give this year to Him. Amen? In a new way. It's not going to be all about me this year, King Jesus. It's going to be all about you. It's going to be about you being magnified in me. This is what discipleship looks like, beloved. As I said four weeks ago, there's no middle place <laughs> in biblical Christianity. It's either a religious myth or it's true. And if it's true, you've got to do it. You've got to go do it. You've know, you got to do it. How can you not live it? How can we not live it if we truly believe it? He's not only come for us in the most astonishing way, He's committed Himself to us. Just a few verses. Second Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. Don't you love that? God strongly supports those whose heart is completely His. Isaiah 41.10 Do not fear, for I am with you. 
Do not be anxiously looking about yourself, for I am, uh, I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen? You see why I'm preaching this. I need this. I need this. I need to remember this about God. And if I remember this about God, <laughs> I can be a fearless Christian in 2015. In 2015... Jeremiah 32, 40 and 41, I will make with them an everlasting covenant and I will not turn away from doing them good. I will put uh, the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will re rejoice in doing them good with all my heart and all my soul. And we know what Romans 8, 28 says. It says that we know that God causes almost everything to work together for good. Amen? Did I get that right? Is that right? Or did I... Did I get it wrong, Tinelo? What, what did I? What's wrong? All things. All things. Everything. <laughs> Even when you can't cry anymore, mysteriously, God's working a good thing. You say, Jim, I don't feel like God's working a good thing. That's not what the Bible's asking you about. It's not asking about how you're feeling. It's asking, what do you believe about God in the heart thing? <laughs> what do you believe about God when you can't cry anymore? Do you still believe He is? And do you still believe He's good? This is what pleases God. You know, I ask people all the time. It's just one of my favorite things to ask people randomly. What is it that pleases God? You know, I just run into somebody and say, Hey, what pleases God? I almost never get this. I almost never get this answer. Faith. Faith that believes He is. Faith that believes He's good. That's Obviously, there's many ways to answer that question. But here, in Hebrews 11.6, we have the explicit answer from God. What pleases God? We believe that He's an awesome God and we live like He's an awesome God. That's what pleases God. To paraphrase Hebrews 11.6, I love this. God is radically committed to working for our good even in the hard place. This is how awesome He is. In the impossible place, God is doing a good thing. God has asked you to believe that. He's asked me to believe it. Will you believe it in 2015, beloved, if it in fact gets hard? And you may remember, I want to give you a quick litany here from the Psalms. You remember how King, King David talked about God's watch care over him? Uh, some of you guys will maybe need some of these verses. If you want the, the, you know, the, the complete reference, just let me know and I'll, I'll be happy to email them to you. I'll email you my notes if you want them. But the psalmist says, Psalm 3.3, The Lord is a shield about me. My shield is the Lord. Amen? Doesn't it kind of free you up? I mean, it, it, what I'm saying, doesn't it kind of free you up? I don't know. It, gets, it, makes, me free. it makes me feel free. Uh, Psalm 18.2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, in whom I take refuge. Psalm 27.5, In the day of trouble, He will conceal me in His tabernacle. He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. Psalm 32.7, God is my hiding place. He preserves me from trouble. He surrounds me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 46.1, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 61.3-4, For thou... 
has been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against mine enemy. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Psalm 71.3, God is a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. Beloved King Jesus is our defense. He's our deliverer. He's our fortress. He's our strength. He's our shield. He's always poised to release His divine power in the care of His people. I want to remember this as I begin a new year. I want to remember this. I want to think these kinds of thoughts, these accurate biblical thoughts about God. And you guys know Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst. A warrior who gives victory, He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in His love. He will exalt over you with shouts of joy. Come on! Are you going to live that small in 2015? Are you going to be timid and afraid in the world? Or are you going to proclaim the name of Christ? Are you going to give a witness for Christ? If we believe He's God, if we believe He's this God, beloved, I think we must be a witness in the world. We can be all in because He's all in. Right? Has Jesus left anything undone? Hasn't Jesus proven to you that He's all in? Do you believe He's all in? Do you believe His promises, that some of the promises we've just read? Do you believe He's all in? Let me ask you, are you all in with Him? Will you be all in in 2015? Or are you still playing church with God? Will you be all in with Christ? Will you be His disciple? Will you be His witness in the world? Or are you still playing church with God? It's always about this, beloved. It's always about this. Will we follow Him? And will we obey Him? It's not hard to be a church member. Sometimes it's really hard to be a real Christian. But He's an awesome God. <laughs> and we can do Hebrews 11. The whole chapter, we can do it. We can live radical faith because He is who He is. We can incarnate the Word of God in 2015 because King Jesus is King indeed. So, let me just ask you this as I close. Were you too careful as a Christian in 2014? Did you live what you say you believe a little too small? Did you allow caution to trump obedience? It's a brand new year, beloved. I know we're 11 days in, but it's a brand new year. I want to encourage you and challenge you. Obey the Lord with glad, reckless joy. And you can because He's the God of Psalm 99. He's the God of Psalm 99. Let me just say this. Whatever, you, whatever your reason is for being careful in your obedience, being timid, being afraid, being cautious, being lukewarm with God, whatever your reason, it's a lie. Whatever you think your reason is, it's a lie. It's a lie. From the evil one, it's a lie. Okay? It's a lie. Satan knows what will happen 
if you believe the second part of Hebrews 11.6, <laughs> you'll be one of those people out there turning the world upside down. And He doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't mind if you're religious. He doesn't mind if you come and sit in church on Sunday. He doesn't mind at all. But if you really believe God's good, and you really believe He's a warder, Satan is scared of you. Because if you really believe it, you'll go out there and you will live it. And the world will see it. The world will see it. And lives will be changed through your witness. So, what does God want you to do with this message that He gave me to preach to you? What does God want you to do with it? You know, I always, I always push you around when you come in here. I push you around. Because I want to push you out of whatever comfort zone you're in with God. I want to push you into the new zone with God. I want to push you into the new place with God. I want to go to the new place with God. I don't want to be the same Christian I was in 2014. Life's too short for that. It's too boring. I don't want to be the same guy I was in 2014. I want to be a new man in Christ. Amen? I want to be new. So what does God want us to do with a message like this? Everything. Go do everything He's called you to do. Go do it. With glad, reckless joy. That's how real Christians live, beloved. Go do it. If God really is the God of Psalm 99, if He really is the reigning God who sits above the cherub and the earth shakes at His Word, <laughs> go do everything. Don't you love it? You can. Whatever He's called you to do. You say, well, Jim, it looks hard. Great. Go do it. He gets the glory. You get the joy. Amen? It's supposed to look hard. You know, God doesn't call His people to a fair fight. He never calls His people to a fair fight. Amen? <laughs> it always looks... Yeah, it always looks hard. But He is the God of Psalm 99. So I call you in the new year to love huge, to pray huge, to serve huge, to give huge, to repent huge, to forgive Huge, etc., etc., etc. Make much of Jesus as you go to those new places with Him. He's always got those new places. If you say, you say well, Jim, I haven't been to a new place with God in a long time, that's your fault. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. He's always got a new place for you to come. To learn Him fresh and uh, to learn Him afresh and anew. Yeah, I needed this. <laughs> Maybe you did too. To look at God and give Him 2015. We are going to celebrate the Lord's table.